Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Good evening. <laughs> welcome back. Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done it. I'm sorry, but I've got carried away. Good evening and welcome back to the Current Blue podcast, an impromptu uh, episode from some breaking news. don't know whether anyone's seen it or not. Unai Emery is the new head coach of Aston Villa, a bolt out of the blue, cloak and dagger from Aston Villa, as always. Things just come out of nowhere. Um, yeah, bizarre, bizarre, bizarre turn of events this this evening. I've just been watching House of the Dragon, the finale, which is very good, by the way, if anyone's not caught up with that yet. And I uh, saw the notification on my phone and thought, come on, let's do a podcast. I'm starting work at lunchtime tomorrow. We'll have missed the opportunity by then. Let's jump on and, and have our live reaction to it. Um, so, yeah, kind of said, let's, let's start this soon. And here we are, a little bit later than we thought. But, um, yeah. Let's have our live reactions to it. We won't go too in depth because we'll do another show later in the week about you know what what um you know or you know who know Emery has to do in the first kind of few weeks of of the job. But John, it's yeah. half eight on a Monday evening. We've got a new head coach out of nowhere. How are you feeling? I'm feeling really good. I honestly think it's probably the best appointment we could have made. Um, mm. If you're knocking out the likes of a Poch or a Tuchel, personally, I put. Emery in that bracket of an elite coach. We haven't had an elite coach since, you know, since when, unless you class him as an elite coach back then. We haven't had that, that that's someone you can really pin your head on uh, at the top of the club and they can sort of lead us forward and genuinely gives you that belief that after each season we should be competing hmm. at least in the top half and that's what he's going to bring Emery. I think it's an excellent appointment. We can go on for so long about what he's done in the game already and how much he's going to bring to the club. But for now, as the emotions are sort of settling, yeah, excellent appointment. I really don't think we could have gone any better. Um, so no, full credit to the club for getting over the line and sort of keeping it under wraps until until today. And yeah, a really, really, really solid piece of business. Mm, so a little bit of housekeeping. Again, people have seen this anyway, but doesn't officially take charge until, the, is it the 1st of November? 1st of November. A, a work permit issue next or, week. you know, waiting for that to drop through. So yeah, next week. First game in charge will be Man United at home. Uh, Villa Park on the Sunday afternoon, which I mean, what a, what a start of that'll be, what an atmosphere that'll be. And to be fair, we ran United close at home last season under Gerard, so you know let's let's go all for that. Man United twice in a week uh, in in the cup as well. <sighs> Just breathe for a second, first of all. It's been it's been a frantic uh, half an hour, so trying to prep everything ready for this. But yeah, the kind of pedigree that he comes with is it four four Europa leagues he's won as a as a coach, leagues, yeah. which is you know an unbelievable record. His time at Arsenal, let's reflect on that quickly. What are your memories of his time at Arsenal? Obviously, Martinez is a connection there. He was at Arsenal when Emery was there. There's was a tweet during the rounds this evening of, of when Emery left Arsenal and Emery Martinez saying, you know, I wish you well, maybe we'll meet again one day. And here we are. Potentially a captain for, for Emery, by the way. But again, that's another talking point for later down the line. Um, how do you reflect on his Arsenal time? I don't know whether you've looked back on it since the, the news has emerged, but, you know, Followed Wenger, didn't he? So not not an easy task, but did okay with Arsenal. If you're just looking at the records, I think they finished fifth. Oh, it's not bad, is it? Yeah, I think if you if you took away everything else that he's done, that would be unfair to do so. So taking Arsenal as, as in sort of isolation, that might not be his best time uh, as a manager. But at the same 
in the same breath that, as you mentioned, that's after Wenger, that's Arsenal in, their, in one of the most toxic stages as a club in the last you know, 20 mm. years. Uh, Mikel Arteta sort of picked up the baton and look how close he came to the sack. And now look what they are in the Premier League, they're top. So I really can't reflect on that with sort of, you know, anything in terms of analysis. I think we were in the championship for at least one season when uh, MRA was there, I think it was 18, 19. Obviously, when we got promoted. So, to be honest, I don't remember too much about it. But what we do know is that he keeps uh, that sort of clear identity. I know he played the 43 one at Arsenal quite often. He, he played three at the back, which is obviously a variation, which mm-hmm. probably shows that he didn't have the players that he wanted to do everything that he likes to do on a pitch. So, you could probably almost class that as, you know, the sort of weakest um, few years as added management. But at the same time, something you can't really overanalyze because in Sevilla, in Villarreal, uh, Valencia, PSG as well, has only had success. And there's a reason why he goes to Arsenal and PSG and all these top clubs. Um, mm. So you don't really want to reflect too much on the Arsenal one because there's so much that happened against him and so much mitigate, mitigating stance, uh, circumstances as to why that uh, didn't work as well. Um, but as I say, that's Arsenal and a mess. And only now have they sort of picked up under a manager um, who himself was under pressure like Emery was. So mm. you can't really reflect on it too much. For now, let's just um, stay positive because there's so much to um, to look forward to uh, with this appointment. Yeah, I mean, I'll flash up a few comments there while you're talking for the people listening back to this. And He had a 55% win rate at Arsenal, got 70 points, finished fifth and won the FA Cup. I mean, if that's not a, not a great spell at Arsenal, I'd absolutely take that for Aston Villa. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked, I don't know whether it was you and me or me and Matt, but recently on the podcast, I feel like we've done a podcast every day, by the way, at the moment. It feels like it really has been quite hectic, yes. rightly so. Um, some of us, whoever it was, spoke about the, the tenth. he'll be the 10th permanent manager or head coach since O'Neill's left. So we went through them all. And again, I've said a lot of times about I want to see some evidence that Unai Emery is a good coach for Aston Villa before I get carried away with the hype because I was all in for Gerard. I'll be all in for Emery, to be honest. I'm already buzzing with it. But I don't want this to be another kind of false dawn of, oh, this sounds exciting. What an appointment this is. And then 12 months down the line, we're sitting here going, Emery's got to go. What a waste of time that was. What an expensive mistake that could be. So I want to see some evidence, first of all, before I get carried away. When we talk about those last 10 managers, this feels like a big big club appointment. It feels like he's got the biggest pedigree of a manager that we've appointed in that 10-year period. So, you know, as much as I do want to say, let's kind of calm down and see evidence. Bloody exciting at the same time, isn't it? Yeah, exactly that. I mentioned at the start, he is an elite coach and I don't think we've had that for obvious reasons. We've been battling relegation, we've been in the championship, we've been trying to survive in the Premier League and the next appointment after that was obviously Steven Gerrard following on from Dean Smith. So this appointment was always supposed to be um, one that you'd really you know, step forward with. Obviously, we thought Gerard, or the whole reason why we appointed Gerard was to try and knock on those, you know, top seven places and that hasn't happened. So maybe the club have thought, okay, let's not take so much of a risk. I think Emma raises, it's not a safe appointment in terms of, oh, he's available, but it's safe in terms of, you know, what he's going to be giving you. Mm. If you give him the right players and the right tools to do the job, I'd probably give him, you know, a 75% chance that he gets us inside a top seven position within two to three years and that's a, that's what you want because at the moment we are stagnating and we're not really going anywhere and that's how it feels but if you mm-hmm. give Villa fans hope that in a couple of years because that's only 24 months or whatever 20 months that we'll be knocking on those you know positions because you have it's really congested out there you, you've got the top six who are almost at the moment sort of unmovable and then Newcastle as well so you're gonna have to be knocking out one of those teams plus beating the likes of uh, West Ham your Leicesters, other teams that are getting up there at the moment. So it's really congested. 
but it's a um, it's a statement, isn't it? Getting everything. Yeah. We're the Premier League club. We'll be looking and thinking like, oh, Villa have just come off. Uh, you know, the first eleven games of the season, they were in the one position outside the relegation zone. Yet here they are with um, one of the most decorated managers in European football, one of the most well respected managers in European football, um, and someone who can really back himself up. Won more Europa Leagues than any other manager. I think he's won more Europa League games than any other manager as well. So he's got a trick record record in that. Uh, competition he's done it for different clubs and for me it's not what what, what I really like about Emery is it is it keeps saying he kind of he follows that system and that symmetry between each of his teams mm -hmm. I mean he'll only change it for example at Arsenal going free at the back when uh, it's not when he doesn't have the right tools for the job so if Villa can supply him with what he needs as we saw against uh, Brentford in the week that 4-2-3-1 clearly have the place for it mm. that's really exciting and it really bodes well. So if we can bring that identity and really stamp that in, I've been going on about that for weeks and probably months now, haven't I? Months. <laughs> that's what we need. That's how you become a top six, top seven club. Yeah. Finally, we sort of you know understand that, and now we've got the man who can really do that for us. So we just need to trust him, give him time, give him his own space, and let's let's hope for the best because I really, really like the appointment. Yeah, I just want to clarify the point I just made there about wanting to see some evidence from Emery before I get too excited. And some a couple of the comments were saying he's won four Europa Leagues. What more evidence do you need? I mean, evidence at Aston Villa. I need to see him do something here in the first six months or so to go right. This is the right appointment. This is the right. This is the right um, man for the job. Because again, I don't want to have this kind of false dawn of another manager that we're all excited about, and then we sit here in six, twelve months time and go, mm, actually, that, that's the wrong thing. Elsewhere, yes, proven, proven in in European competitions. Is it, um, Champions League semi-final with Villa, Villa Rao last year as well. I mean, uh, about, well yeah, I, they got knocked out, so, didn't they? Yeah, so I'm not sure we were talking about him being like a Europa League expert. Champions League semi-final as well. But they beat uh, Juventus over two legs, beat Bayern mm. Munich over two legs, yeah, yeah, yeah. and obviously ran Liverpool really close. So there's every chance they could have got to the final. So that, you know, again, those are only cup competitions. We need to see it in the league, but he's done really well with Sevilla. Really well, with Villarreal. Obviously, those are both Spanish leagues, and he's managed Arsenal in some of their you know most difficult times, and still got you know good seasons out of it. Um, so no, I'm I'm really excited. But you're right, we do need to see evidence because it's a Villa, and as Villa fans, we have to be pessimistic because we have no right to all of a sudden just appoint a manager and be great. We need to give him time. The club needs to back him, and I, I really think that Villa. I think Jeremy Carragher said it before about Liverpool. Liverpool and other clubs like that, you know, big clubs, they need someone at the top of it. Not running it, but someone you can just look up to. And mm -hmm. we haven't, apart from Dean Smith, who was really that sort of father figure, if, if you will, kind of he knew the club, he was the club. Now we have Emery, who's different in terms of he's an elite coach and you can respect him, he'll get respect of every player. It's it's, it's, it's almost leadership in a different way, but that's mm -hmm. what we needed, I felt, to move into the next sort of, the next chapter, which, you know, seems to be a really exciting one. Do you think he's got a bit of a point to prove? Being back in the Premier League as well, obviously done well in Spain, uh, did well at PSG before he got the Arsenal job, very well kind of established in European competitions, yeah. but almost became not a bit of a, a joke as a manager at Arsenal, but because Arsenal were going through that tricky spell and it was after Wenger, now you know Arsenal are a bit of a banter club, the Arsenal fan TV stuff, the kind of hysteria yeah. that comes with them. Again, the start of this podcast, the joke I made, the good evening thing, again, became a bit of a meme on social media. So a video and did I like answering a phone call in a press conference, like little things like that where from the outside looking in, people might be going, you know, who is this guy? Like this isn't working. And then he goes off to, to Spain and does does well again. It, it, like I said, it, it is that kind of a, a point to prove to come back and go, right, well, I've, I've gone elsewhere. I've kind of learned more than I did last time I was in England. Villa is a project and we'll talk about that in a sec. 
oh, I've got to come back now and hit the ground running. We talked about this earlier in the week as well about a manager looking at Villa squad, anyone worth their salt will look at it and go, well, I can't be the guy to get them back up into the top eight of the Premier League. And I hope that that's what Emery's looked at and gone, you know, we're sitting here going, there's Pochettino, Tuchel and Emery is probably the top three and we've got the best of the bunch that we could have probably realistically hoped for instead of a Sean Dyche or a Rafa Benitez or Brendan Rodgers even, which again, you know, if that was the case, that was the case, we'd have dealt with that. But, you know, I think this is the best realistically we possibly could have done. But he has got a point point to prove and his reputation is kind of on the line to come back to England and be a success. Yeah, 100%. I wonder because you mentioned all, all the stuff that happened at Arsenal and Arsenal was a big club, but during that time as well, it it needed someone to take everything and Emery, I don't think there was that person. Mm. I wonder, you know, after that, you, you obviously has PSG, Sevilla, two massive clubs, and then he goes to Villarreal after Arsenal. It was almost not a step down because Villarreal, have, you know, they have some really good players by their own, you know, standard, but it almost sort of took him out of the limelight a little bit. Mm. I'm not trying to put that and I know obviously Villa's a huge club and there's massive Premier League exposure as well but I wonder if he needed that step back just almost sort of believe in himself again prove that he could do it and he has in the Champions League and Europa League as you said earlier but now the Villa sort of project I wonder if he if a top six, a top six club went for him I wonder if he'd be more not necessarily that he'd reject it but leaning towards a project where he could really build something and sort of be out of that limelight again I don't know it, mm. it, Arsenal, not not that it scarred him, but it really didn't look like that was his. He wasn't comfortable, was he? He just wanted to coach football players and you know and develop himself as a manager. And at Villa, he'll have the opportunity to do that. Now's the time to save thirty percent on wedding jewelry only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. So, like, we had the Newcastle last year, didn't we? Obviously, that's a club that's building massively. That was also a, a team that was probably bottom of the league at the time. So, he wants that, that sort of challenge to get his teeth into. Um, mm. So I think it's it's almost like a match made in heaven. And while we were being linked with other people like Poch, Tuchel, this was always a name in the background that I was thinking of because he was always sort of linked in reports and suggestions. But it was always a thing of, oh, but um, he's happy at Villarreal, and but he's only got a year left in his contract. It, it didn't sort of seem right that he was in that bracket of top managers. Yet there wasn't, there was never that sort of link up until today. Um, mm. So it makes full sense that Villa have gone, you know, full send for him and. I'm delighted we've got him. It's as you could say it's, it's an excellent appointment. I really don't think we could have betted it. Um, even if you gave us a potch or whoever else, my emotions wouldn't be any different to where they are right now. I really, mm. really think the appointment's a, a good one. Yeah, me and my dad were talking about this on on the way to or from back from the Villa, Villa game the other day about you know a manager you know like a Pep or a Klopp or Pochettino whoever like, these kind of elite managers. Why didn't they take on a, a role that they have to build something up there? Was kind of one of this ready-made club ready to go that can just step back up into you know take take over somebody who's sixth and push them up to fourth and obviously that's their prerogative. Whereas you look at what you just say about Emery kind of stepping out of the line like, to a certain extent, not making out like Villarreal or some tiny club because they're, oh. they're, they're certainly not. But it's not the biggest two or three clubs in the league. It's not Arsenal. It's not all you know. Every like all the attention's on you. So if he was offered Spurs, for example, 
the alarm not is on you. <laughs> I suppose this is a great exa- example as an ex-Arsenal manager, but you know what I mean? A club that needs to be winning right this second. And to be fair, Villa need to start winning this right this second as well. But there isn't that pressure of, you've got to get top four, we're going to sack you. So you can kind of add a similar levels of not being you know the main man. He's got a project with Villa that he can kind of sink his teeth into, like you just said, and build, not slowly, but build in a more measured man- manner that he is going to get two seasons, three seasons before we start to judge him. 100%. Yeah, and and that's what any any coach of his sort of repute needs as well, because he's not coming to Villa um, <laughs> to sort of have a season here and a season there. This is a guy, as we keep saying, he's won so many trophies in um, European competitions. He wants to win more, but mm-hmm. he's coming to Villa. It doesn't make sense if he's just coming to Villa to finish mid-table. The club have clearly got a project, and whenever we do speak to these people, they're always blown away by the aspirations and the projects in place. So it's clearly <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what they're telling them. <laughs> But it's clearly not just words, is it? These guys aren't stupid. Emery knows that he didn't have to take this Villa role. Another one mm. would have come for him. It, it would have. So it's good in that sense. But also, we know that this guy's got pedigree in Europe, not just European football, but the competitions as well that we're talking about that Villa want to be in in a couple of years. So it's clearly a long-term project. And that's what, again, that I really like about it. He's here for the long run. He, he's, he expects to be backed and we know we have to back him mm. because if we're finishing mid-table next season, we're not going to be sacking him. That's just part of the development. And then we'll mm. be getting to those European competitions and that's where, you know, his history of winning four, four, uh, four competitions coming close to Chelsea in the Super Cup last year as well. I think they lost some penalties. Um, it, it all just bodes really well. On the face of it, it's a brilliant appointment, but, but let's just see. You're buzzing with this, aren't you? I am. <laughs> Well, we don't get positive news, do we, Dan? Very no, often. No. We've, we've been locked away and chained up for, for months. Once we get the positive news, we've got to make the most of it. And this is the buzzing. Mm, yeah, I love that. Um, what do you think the difference would have been with Newcastle last year? Is it just because they were bottom of the league and had a bigger job to do? Because you know, there's a lot of talk last year about didn't kind of agree with the project of Newcastle. Um, again, I don't, I'm not quite sure what that means because they were clearly going to improve on last year and spend money. So what manager wouldn't be enticed by that? But he was heavily linked with that job and, and, and turned it down, we're led to believe. So what would they have? What would Villa have told him different this year than Newcastle were telling him last year? I don't think it would be too, too much different. I think it's more for Emery. Uh, Villarreal were in the Champions League at the time, weren't they? And I believe mm, it was the group stage. Yeah. And his choice was vindicated in a, in, in a way because they got to the semi-finals. Mm. Um, possibly should have gone through as well. So he wanted to stay for the Champions League. He sort of he owed it to Villarreal a little bit. Is I think that's what he said uh, in some quotes that I dug out somewhere. That that's uh, he's, he's that sort of guy. I don't think he's willing to just jump ship after every um, after every, after every opportunity that comes his way. Um, so, no, I don't think the conversations would have been too much different between Villa and Newcastle. Obviously, two very ambitious clubs. One, One's obviously got much more money than the other, but there's only so much money you can spend, isn't there? And Newcastle are building an academy now, pretty much, from scratch. We have that mm-hmm. in place. We mm-hmm. Everything's ready to go at Villa, is what I would say. Newcastle obviously building, and they're building very quickly. And they will, and they're ahead of us, to be honest, in terms of the first team and where they're going. But everything's set for Emery to take it on and he'll he'll back himself to get us in the top six in a few years. That's why he's chosen the job. He's not leaving Villarreal to come to Villa to finish in mid-table. It's just, it's just not happening. Mm. For a guy that has that pedigree, that's what's exciting me. Um, but no, I don't think he was in a position to leave Villarreal last year so soon because, as I say, they're in the Champions League. He had another couple of years left on his deal. Um, I presume because he's only got one year left on his contract or eight months as it was now, you know, obviously he's left Villarreal and joined us. But yeah, 
as of yesterday. Um, so he probably was waiting for opportunities to come up, knowing that he'd probably be taking one soon. Mm. And this one comes up. I don't think there'll be another one like this for another year, possibly, because where, where else are you looking in the Premier League that has, you know, the sort of infrastructure that we have, the ambitions, the money, uh, and, the, and the squad, you know. Yes, we haven't had a great start to the season, but as we showed on Sunday, we have very good players. And if you can get the right manager playing in the right system, it's, it's there to be... Um, you know, we can really shoot up the league and make some of the season despite having such a slow start to the first, you know, third or so. I was going to ask you that later down the line, but I'll do it now because you mentioned it. What can Emery still achieve this season? Because we spoke, again, I don't know if you, me or me and Matt, about the season isn't quite a write-off as maybe we thought it was going to be. We're not cut adrift at the bottom of the league or anything. We're, I don't know, three or four points off being mid-table. Um is it still feasible for a manager to get Villa into a European competition this season? Or is that too outrageous? And is it just if we finish 10th or anywhere in the top 10, that would be seen as a massive success given where we are at the moment? Yeah, I think so. I think top 10 is the remit. I know Gerard mentioned a couple of weeks ago that top eight was the club sort of, let, that's the aim. Obviously, if you finish a place below it, it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, top eight, why not? You know, obviously eighth, and I think finishing the seventh is too far at the moment because, as I say, you've got a top six plus Newcastle and they all look really strong. Um, but I'm not too sure who's in eighth at the moment. I think you've got like the Bournemouth, Brighton's and teams like oh, that. There's no, reason why, there's no reason why we can't finish above those teams if we start to put form together. The only difficulty is we have played Bournemouth and lost. We've played Forest and failed to win. We've lost to Fulham. Fulham, I think, oh, are in eighth. I mean, Possibly. Fulham are seventh at the moment yeah. on 18 points. Villa on 12. Yeah. Um, both played 12 games. So it was six points off seventh place, Fulham. And were Fulham yeah. expected to have a, a strong rest of the season and finish seventh? Possibly. Not people say that. It's the fixtures that we've wasted. We've wasted Leeds. We've, like, yeah, we've wasted Forest, Bournemouth. That's, you know, possibly up to like 14, 15 points potentially that we've wasted so far. But in the same breath, that means that we have you know, technically harder fixtures on paper. If we can mm. take scouts and take points off those teams, then that puts us in a better position. So we'll see, but yeah, uh, top 10. If, if you offer me 10th place right now, I'd snatch your hands. Um, a cup run obviously would give us a good avenue to Europe. Starting with the League Cup, obviously that's tricky playing United, but then, hey, when when don't we get a tough draw in the first round? So <laughs> maybe the FL Cup will be more... Um, Generous, but there's no reason why we're going to United and put in put in performance. We've only got was it four games, including that until the World Cup. Those players have got to prove themselves because after the World Cup is straight away. It's, it's um it's the January window, mm. so it's almost like a four game. You know those players need to show something to Emery because in training they can do it, but it's all about planning games as well, isn't it? So, mm-hmm. how quickly do you think this would have happened? How when would Uno Emery have become on on Nassau and Wes Eden's radar because? It all kind of feels a little bit quick, and obviously the work permit thing exists. You know that, that that's not like a, oh, this has happened so quick. He's not ready for Newcastle. That's like a process that has to that has to be done and takes a certain amount of time. So it'll, Aaron Danks will take charge of Newcastle. Unai Emery will be watching either in the stadium, whether that's allowed or not. I assume it is, uh, and having maybe some kind of say over a team selection potentially. You know who knows. Um, how quickly would this have happened? Would he have only been on Villa's radar since last Thursday? And they've gone, right, Pochettino, he doesn't want it. Tuchel, he don't want it. Emery, let's draw him. He's only got eight months left on his contract. Or is this uh, something that's been on the radar for weeks, months, potentially, been sounded out? Because, like I said, we've played Sunday. Aaron Danks has done well. And then Monday night, you know, Emery's got the job. Oh, that's quick moving. Yeah, uh, quick movement, but the media is always going to be behind, isn't it? And yeah, we, know course, how, yeah. we know how Villa like to do their business. Um, 
I don't think this would have been something that was thrashed out in a week. I think it's more like weeks. I think there was some reports coming out. Uh, was it the Forest game or the Chelsea game? That Villa were looking at Pochettino. You could probably mm. minus a week behind that as well. So it could be, we, you know, we could be talking last month that Suarez or Edens were looking at managers. But it's a bit of, um, I mean, I, I'm not privy to what goes on, but it's not hard for club owners to know which managers are available and which ones they'd like. You know, anyone could load up a database and look at managers. You know, I know it's another thing doing the talks, but they can have a shortlist if they like at the start of the season. We don't know. Mm. Um, they're contingency plans. That's how you run a good business. So I wouldn't be surprised if Emery, Tuchel, Poch, whoever it was, was on a list many weeks ago. And it's, all right, Jared hasn't got this result or the other one. So let's, you know, let, let, let's start to make some contact. And I think we did with Poch, didn't we? I don't, I'm pretty sure that was probably the number one target. But then a close second um, would have been uh, Emery and obviously Ruben Amaron as well, who have been mm. uh, linked with. I know that one came out a couple of days ago. Well, it was after the Gerard sacking, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And that was possibly the backup to Emery if he chose to stay on at Villarreal. Two different managers in terms of experience, but two excellent coaches at the same time. But I think Emery is definitely the one, you know, if, if you think if you offered any Villa fan the choice, 99% would say Emery, and that's nothing against um, Amiram, I think his name is. Um, it's just the guy brings so much, as we've mentioned, so much experience, uh, coaching that I don't think any of our players minus a couple perhaps would have worked with a coach so meticulous and so mm. you know he's, he's, he's an expert in his field I'm, I'm sure he's if you ranked if you ranked Premier League managers we would probably be in the top at least the top 10 by now um, oh, if, yeah I'd have thought so based on experience I think off the top of my head possibly the top 7 plus and if you've got that plus our backing plus the players plus the recruitment that we that we need to start getting right now um, plus the stadium that we have, the fans, it, it's all moving in the right direction. But how many times have we said that before? So we really <laughs> need to you know, start seeing the proof in the pudding, but it's just great to have a manager that's an elite coach now, which mm. that's the one thing that we haven't had. So yeah, really, um, really exciting times. So that's an interesting point you raised then. It's a bit of a little mini kind of hypothetical game or play with the comments of where Unai Emery ranks as like, uh, yeah. if you were ordering Premier League managers from one to 20, and we won't go all the way through, but you know, certainly a top 10, let's say. Got Pep Guardiola and Jürgen Klopp right at the top two. I mean, let's, let's not do these in number order because it's probably more difficult to do that, but they're certainly in the top two. Nicola Teta, Brendan Rodgers, I mean, this is a random order from Google. Brendan Rodgers, David Moyes, Frank Lampard, Hassan Hutel, Eddie Howe, Conte, he'd be up there in the top three or four. Graham Potter, Thomas Frank, Jesse Marsh, Thomas Tuchel's no longer there. Patrick Vieira, Stephen Gerrard's no longer there. Steve Cooper, Eric Ten Hag, he'd probably be quite up there as well. Uh, you know, I'd say a lot of people would put Emery number five, maybe number six, in terms of experience and what he's won. Yeah, in terms of, if, if, it depends what you're ranking it on, isn't it? Uh, I think I, I'd say top seven with <laughs> with a view of bumping it up because there, there's a lot of good managers in the Premier League. I know that it almost sounds like we're meeting it halfway, but if you consider the top six teams who have all got elite managers, the best manager in the Premier League, if you look at uh, La Liga, uh, the French League, uh, anywhere else, the Italian League... Their managers don't rub shoulders. They really don't. You know, Ancelotti and other people. It was at Everton a couple of years ago. Like, I know in the Champions League, but it's, all, all the top coaches are in England. And um, so it's about time that we started to sort of, like, as I say, rub shoulders with them. And now we can really, really go and compete on, you know, on all fronts. Mm, yeah, trophies in terms of a cup run would be great this season. See how far we can go in that. I'm not going to make any more mention of European football this season because I think it's silly at this stage where we are. 
you know, if he wins his first five games, maybe start talking about something a little bit differently. But at the moment, I think it's silly to be judging him against that. Uh, I think even if you finish 12th and had a decent cup run, I think most people would take that at this stage and what we've witnessed in the first 10 games of the season. Um, we're going to do another podcast either Tuesday or Wednesday. I'm not sure when yet. And it'll be something like Unai Emery's in tray after taking over Aston Villa manager. Snap it off than that long one though. Like what he needs to do first, what his first five tasks that he needs to complete, something like that. Um, but something away from that, who benefits the most from his appointment in terms of the personnel, the players? And we'll talk about coaching staff in a second because there's been a lot of questions about that. You know, we talked about Stephen Gerrard's era, who, you know, how many players have progressed in the last year, arguably none of them, and how many have regressed, a lot of them. Um, who does this suit in terms of formation? If it's a 4 2 3 1, who's now looking at this? Most of them like Douglas Louise, who's you know, potentially looking away to, to European football or you know, bids from Arsenal, now signs his new contract, got a manager that likes to play 4 2 3 1. Douglas Louise has just played very well in a 4 2 3 1 in a 4 0 win. Maybe someone like Douglas Louise is, is one of the big beneficiaries of, of Unai Emery. Um, yeah. Anyone else that stands out for you? It, it's hard to sort of select anyone in particular because it, again with January coming up he'll have his own plans too but mm. on the system we know it's a 4 2 3 one he loves the double pivot and the way that Louise and Dendonk had that sort of chemistry and, and, and synergy you you automatically suggest that those two will be uh, beneficiaries wingers as well that's an important part of his game so Leon Bailey um, mm. I wouldn't be surprised if we're targeting a winger I know we've been linked with uh, Dan Juma before and there's a player that I really like from he started out at Bournemouth, didn't start out at Bournemouth, but he really mm. sort of broke on the scene when he was at Bournemouth. Um, straight to Villarreal, and I really like him. Really powerful player, can play inverted on the left. That's what um, Emery likes. A number of players I would probably concentrate more on, I know it sounds negative, but players that are misfits in a way. Where does this leave a John McGinn? Where does it leave uh, other players who's going to not be in his plans? Again, not to sound negative, but this is a this is a this is a manager who plays in a particular system, and will have the full backing of the board, and he'll mm. probably have all of his decisions his own way to an extent. So, let's see how those decisions play out. I think that's probably the the, the important one. But come January, I wouldn't be surprised if we'd be linking with wingers. As mentioned, Dan Juma will be expensive, but I'm sure that's one name that will be linked. Um, other players as well. I know we've been linked with Pal Torres, who's a centre half, but I would have thought he's out of our out of our range. He's he's, he's, um, he's a top centre back, so we'll see. Um, I think Luca Dean and Matt Cash could benefit as well. He likes, as I mm. say, to have those sort of inverted wings that can you know really break and then come in, leave that space. That's just modern football, I suppose. He likes the high press, keep the ball high, possession based. If he has the tools to do that, um, keep the ball away from the goal by you know being in the opposite half. Sounds basic, but that's where he's got his rewards from uh, with Sevilla and Villarreal. So, yeah, really exciting uh, appointment. And I think for the players as well, again, for most of those players, apart from maybe a Coutinho, um, I know Louise played with under Guardiola or trained with him at least. But for most of them, they haven't, they won't have had that hands-on experience with a coach of, of that level and, and of that quality. So meticulous and everything that he'll be doing with them will be like... Um, Almost not a, not not a breath of fresh air, but it'll be something new and it'll be something mm. fun. Um, I'm not too sure on his backroom staff who they are, if I'm being honest, but I know he's very much the sort of sort of runs the show, doesn't he, Emery? So that's probably positive in itself. Uh, but no, really exciting. Yeah, you'd assume Aaron Danks, Neil Cutler, um, yeah. Austin stick around because they're club appointments. They came after Dean Smith. They, they survived Dean Smith's sacking. They survived Stephen Gerrard's so far. Um, so you'd imagine they stick around. I'm, again, happy with that. 
Um, I think that's probably just about it for for tonight's show. Again, a little an impromptu one, a kind of instant reaction to the, to the breaking news this evening. Um, but yeah, exciting. Uh, t- talking about the players to to benefit. I don't know where this comes from from a, a tactical point of view uh, and what system works best and these kind of things. But a couple of comments from you know, Martinez um, working with, with him before. Callum Chambers at Arsenal before as well. You know how they'll kind of um, already know his style and things and whether that can be implemented. So I'll talk about his English as well, which uh, I've seen a few interviews with him in Spanish, but he, st- he can speak English. Like he's he's not perfectly yeah, fluent yeah. English, but he can uh, speak it. Yeah. Um, so you wonder whether you know, some of the players he's worked with before, maybe Martinez, is a bit of a you know speaks to him in in Spanish and Martinez translates. Martinez captain feels nailed onto me at some stage. Um, but yeah, in terms of tactics, I don't know how it fits in, but Buendia is the one I want to see improve the oh, most over the next week. The stat the other day, that it was his 50th appearance for Villa and he's only started half of those with criminally underused Emery Buendia in the last uh, 12 months or so. I want Emery to, again, I don't know if he fits it, he can play number 10 in the 4-2-3-1, but if he fancies him and he works hard, I want Buendia to be the heartbeat of the team for Villa going forward as somebody to build the side around and, and actually get the most out of and people look, you know, neutrals look at Aston Villa and Buendia and go, Christ, he's a tidy little player. Um, why weren't they playing him before? Um, so yeah, that's the one I want to see benefit the most. But like I said, that's not coming from a tactical point of view or anything. It's just the one I want to see as a fan the most. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Um, <clears throat> in terms of who he's been playing in that number 10 role uh, for Sevilla and Villarreal, he adapted it sometimes. But... Uh, Wendy is a bit of a maverick, though. You, you don't come across those players very often, so it's hard for me to say. What I was going to say is like an Everbenega or something when he had him with Severe, who is a different type of player to a Buendia. But Buendia is so different in himself anyway. You don't see those sort of um, Terry-like number 10s or wide players that can get around, win tackles, be bullish. You know, He's five foot seven, but he, but he sort of makes, him, makes his presence be known. So it's, mm. um, it's a very different player to what, most managers have probably used before and that's probably a not a challenge but something that might excite Emery you know we know how good Buendia is the sort of stats he was pitching at with Norwich although it was in the championship and in the Premier League to be fair the year before that in 1920 um, I'm sure that's almost like a mini project you know let's get the best out of this player that the club signed for a record deal 34 35 million hmm. um, that'll be probably on the top of his uh, as you say intro let, let, let's get the best out of out of Buendia because if we do then that's all of a sudden one of the most creative pre- uh, players in the Premier League we're going to end in a sec but again it's that change of strategy from Villa that it's interesting that this has got to be the, the right appointment now to kind of change away from Dean Smith signing players with with sell on value to pl- signing players who are 28, 29 on higher wages you know Dean and Coutinho are the, the two obvious examples there to appoint Stephen Gerrard in the first place as a, a rookie manager who's only managing Rangers and the Liverpool Academy. So then Villa's statement this evening saying, I won't read it all, but he joins from Villarreal, who led to Europa League success by beating Man United, Sevilla, Paris Saint-Germain, Arsenal, Villarreal, 900 games. It's a total opposite to Steven Gerrard, isn't it, in terms of experience? Emery's only 50 as well. It's not like he's some you know, 69, 70-year-old over-the-hill manager who's now onto his last job. Yeah. Um, you, know, you could have 10 years of Unai Emery at Aston Villa as a successful manager and we're getting carried away and there's people already saying, oh, you don't be too negative over things. You know, it's, it's an exciting time. But he's he's still got a lot to give and you know, with 900 games under his belt already or 900 plus, it's hard not to be excited by that. Yeah. And on the age thing, not to compare the two, but I think Poch is, must be mid-40s. So, yeah, there's no... um, there's, there's I, It's hard to find a fault. Poch is 50 as well. Is he 50? I feel like if, you'd appoint, if we'd appointed Poch, we'd have gone, good young manager. 
We would. Yeah, that surprised me. Is he fifty? Wow. Yeah. Um, looks good for his age, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> as does Emery, so that's fine. Um, that is, it's hard to fault the appointment in general. It's something that we can all get behind. Is the, the comments are flooding through. We haven't been this positive about many things as Villa fans for a long time. Possibly a transfer, maybe Coutinho on loan. Possibly the last time we were buzzing. Yeah, that, that worked out well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but no, this is this. Um, yeah, it, it feels good. It feels like we're moving in the right direction, and it was certainly the right appointment to make. Especially because he's, as I say, he's that leader. It's not just a transfer of a player who can get injured um, and be missing three months, like a Carlos or a Kamara. We've got a top manager, an elite manager, someone who could sort of spearhead the club and, you know, let's move forward, let's back him, get behind him, give him the time that he needs because we know he's done it before. He's got a proven track record. When this isn't a, a shot at Smith or Gerard or whoever else has come before, but there's always been the argument of, oh, yeah, but in the Premier League, they haven't done it. Or, or in general, they haven't done. They haven't done, had enough games and top flights elsewhere. That's everything that Emery does have. He has pedigree in European competitions, domestic leagues. He, he, we know he can develop players, work with older players, younger players. He's got, you know, is the full package. So, yeah, brilliant appointment by the club and something we can all um, get behind. Hmm. Just a couple of bit of podcast housekeeping moments now. So if people are, are done with the NRM, you can feel free to switch off. But to my side, big thank you to people that have been watching the podcast over the last, well, obviously over the last three years that we've been doing it. But views and comments and interactions have certainly been on, on the upward trajectory themselves over the last month or so. Obviously, a lot of that kind of Gerard out, renting their frustrations. But now all of us kind of hopefully turning the corner. You know, talked a lot about this analogy of being on a knife edge and this weird feeling and atmosphere around the club. Certainly don't have that anymore. We know what we've got now. We know that it's you know Emery's Aston Villa for the foreseeable future. Something to focus on, some positive. So yeah, thanks for everyone for watching and, and giving us lots of comments, lots of nice feedback. I actually had a few texts from my fiance at lunchtime this afternoon at work saying that um said that someone was t- chatting about Villa at work and someone there knows my name. I'm reading off my phone. Dan from IT and Jack from, from Vax. This is where my fiance works. Not an ad, by the way. Other uh, Hoover companies are available. And this guy goes, oh, did he do a podcast? Which one? And she said, Claret and Blue. And he said, no way, Dan Rones. <laughs> yep, the man himself. He said he listens to it every week. So uh, Jack and, and Dan, thanks for tuning in. I said I'll give them a shout out. They don't know about that. So if they are listening, if they're true fans of the show, uh, they'll be speaking to my missus at some point. So I thought if they're watching any of our podcasts, surely it's the Unai Emery one. Um, and loads of like, the stuff we were talking about the other day, a lot of people buying into the show, like the Stu Greenhouse stuff. As much as that was a joke, a few episodes and off the off the cock off-the-cuff comment by me. Before we were coming on, I was reading through the comments, people saying things like, Stu Greenhouse wanted high wages. I thought he didn't get it. And I'm just buying into the stupid joke side of the podcast, but also realising that there is some serious football chat to be here and a lot of praise for you in terms of the way you come across and stuff. So I've talked about this before, but yeah, thank you very much for um, everyone for following us over the last few weeks or so. It's, it's been really, really nice. And just off the back of that quickly, Bit of exciting, exciting news uh, for the 1,300 people that are watching this live. If anyone's catching up with this, we are planning to do a Claret and Blue live event, uh, hopefully in the World Cup break. Um, it's all a little bit kind of on the edge at the moment. I'm not 100% sure it will go through, but we want to do like a live Q&A and a live podcast. 100, 150, 200 people uh, location to be confirmed at this stage. I'm doing a lot of paperwork and health and safety and stuff to try and get it over the line. So stay tuned for that over the next week or so. It'd be great to announce something after the Newcastle game, potentially, because obviously the World Cup break is like three three or four weeks away. So I'm working hard to try and do something where we can all gather around and, and do a bit of 
reflecting on the season so far, it's a nice natural break, isn't it? The World Cup break. We'll have had two or three yeah. games for me and I am at that point. Um, so we can kind of assess his start, the Gerard era moving forward. So that's the plan. We'll try our best to do that. If it's not a live show, we'll do a mid-season review anyway. Um, but it makes sense to try and get people together, do a Q&A, raise a bit of money for charity, things like that. So, yeah, little little sneak peek there for people that are watching along live. I'm trying my best to get that sorted. We want to do it for a long time, but um, yeah, trying to trying to finally do that. Um, John, thank you for your time this evening, jumping on live on the show. Do appreciate it. Thanks for the 1,200 people watching along live at nine o'clock on a Monday afternoon on a Monday night. Um, really appreciate it. <clears throat> oh, yeah, just breathe. Um, we'll be back on Tuesday or Wednesday with another show to um, really dig deep into Unai Emery and, and what he's got to do next as Aston Villa manager. Um, but thanks everyone for tuning in and uh, we'll catch you again in a few days. Cheers, everyone. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. But until then, up the villa. Up the villa.